The problem with waste today is that it doesn't have value. And the reason that you throw bottles in the trash and cans in the trash and all of that is because they're valueless. So by creating value for these items and saying, okay, now this bottle's worth 10 cents, you create an entire economy around the collection and recircularity of these items. You're listening to The Ecopreneur Show, a podcast that inspires entrepreneurs and creatives on how they can make a positive and meaningful impact in the world. I'm your host, Vanina. Every other week, I hang out with entrepreneurs, business owners, and leaders that are creating real-life solutions for a more sustainable future. I feel by having raw conversations with ecopreneurs that will keep on inspiring us to take action in our own lives. Thanks for tuning in. Hey, entrepreneurs! I hope you are doing well and staying safe and keeping strong during these times. So a little context about this episode is it was recorded a couple weeks after the rest in place orders were being put throughout the United States. And as somebody who's been trying to live a low waste lifestyle for around three years now, I found more restrictions to keep living this way. But I know that I'm somebody who is very fortunate enough to have these resources to live this lifestyle. I was also thinking a lot about how COVID-19 was also having an effect on the plastic-free movement too. And I was really excited when Final had reached out to me when I was thinking about this. And I really wanted to talk to the founder, Emma Rose Cohen, about what her perspectives and thoughts were about COVID-19 and its effects from a company whose whole mission is to create products to reduce single-use waste and plastic. We also talk about why plastic pollution is so important to address and her perspective of what the real problem is on how we perceive waste today. But before we dive into this episode, Emma is going to have a quick word about how Final is supporting and empowering the Black Lives Matter movement. So I hope you enjoy. Hi, my name is Emma Rose Cohen, and I am the founder of Final. At Final, we are on a mission to end single-use plastic waste by creating a line of foreverables, which are items that are designed to last forever and replace single-use plastic. Our first product, Final Straw, was a viral sensation, and it is a reusable, collapsible straw that fits in its own little case and can go on your keychain and has a little cleaning device so you can clean it wherever you go. We're working on a bunch of other products like cutlery and reusable wipes to continue to make it easy and convenient and sexy and badass to reduce your single-use plastic waste. So with the Black Lives Matter movement, we've been looking more at intersectional environmentalism. At at Final, we are part of 1% for the Planet, which is a network of companies that um, volunteer to donate 1% of their total sales to nonprofits. So we specifically look at single-use plastic, but 
now we're looking in a broader sense at this term intersectional environmentalism. So what does that mean? Well, it's an inclusive version of environmentalism that advocates for both the protection of the people and the planet because the disparities that currently exist in our society are what are leading to both health and environmental crises because they fall along racial lines and communities in the United States. So there's a disproportionate amount of factories in low-income areas, which increases the exposure of these people to particulate matter, which is incredibly damaging on your health. And so the chemical runoff from these factories infiltrates these communities and you're seeing much higher health issues and and cancer rates and, and such. So in addition, when you look at global warming and the communities that are disproportionately affected, they're all coastal, very poor, low-income communities that are not able to create the necessary infrastructure pr to protect from sea level rise and, and drought and all of these other things that are coming along with global climate change. So this is the awakening right now. And we're really excited to keep diving into these topics and focus more of our energy at final on, you know, inclusive environmentalism, because every single person in the world deserves the, the same beautiful experiences of going to the ocean, having clean water to drink and having s soil that you can plant on and, and clean air to breathe. So we are all the same in that we need those those things. And at final, we're really dedicated to creating uh, a better world for everyone. Right now, it's incredibly important that we are all speaking up and using our voices. And it's not a time to be silent. So go out there, use your voice, you know, protest in the streets and, and make it heard what you stand for and that you stand for Black lives and that they suffered so many injustices throughout history and now is the time to change it. We've had so much change happen in the last couple weeks, more so than has happened in the past 20 years. So let's keep it up. Let's keep it going and, and make this happen. Okay, Emma, thank you so much for being on the show. And, yeah, thanks um, for having me, Vanina. Yeah, Appreciate yeah. it. I'm so stoked to have you. Um, could you give a quick introduction about what Final is? Sure. So Final is a company that I started in 2018, and our mission is to empower people with the tools that they need to reduce their single-use waste. So I look at waste as a design flaw, and I think that our mission as a company is to design better things that last forever, that are backed with a lifetime guarantee, and that if more companies did this same model, then we would have a lot less waste in the world. And can you explain to us what Final Straw is and also your newest Kickstarter project, Final Wipe? Sure. So Final Straw is the first product that we launched in 2018 on Kickstarter. It's a reusable, uh, collapsible straw that fits right in your keychain. So before Final Straw, there were really no travel straws out there. The only ones that existed was like a glass straw, a metal bamboo, and they're just such a pain in the butt to take with you when you're going out. <laughs> Yeah. And, and, you know, they poke you in the pocket. It's like they break, they shatter. Mm -hmm. um, the metal ones can stab you in the face if you trip. So, <laughs> you know, we just set out to create something that was actually convenient. And, and I think that's, you know, that's why we have such a reliance on single use plastics as a society is, is based on convenience. So if, 
you know, we just want to create things that people really want to use and that, that people love using and that it's really easy for them. So that's why we made final straw. Um, yeah, yeah. It's super fun. And if, if anyone out there hasn't seen it, check out a video, it collapses up like a little tent pole and kind of deploys like magic also doubles as a magic wand. So, you know, lots of uses. Final Wipe is a um, replacement for paper products. So we came up with this idea um, and launched it within 10 days of from idea to launch because wow. of, yeah, because of the current situation, um, you know, with issues around sanitization and, and people's increasing concern on, on staying clean. Mm-hmm. So we we were trying to think like what is getting used in excess right now and what are have people having a hard time accessing and so obviously with the toilet paper hoarding that's a huge deal you know paper towels are even hard to come by so we made final wipe um to be used either wet or dry and so they're they're reusable antimicrobial bamboo cloths that fit in a little case and when used dry um they replace paper towels napkins, even toilet paper, if you use it with number one or bidet. And then we also have created a clean tab, which you drop into water and it's like a powder uh, tablet that creates a sanitizing solution that you can pour over the wipes and then sanitize daily surfaces. And so we've made a home version and then also a travel version. I love that you guys have created a product that is responding to COVID-19 because I know that you guys are working on uh, final this uh, fork, right? Um, yep. During the time. So I think it's incredible that you guys, you said 10 days to create the, that's incredible that you guys were able to shift that. Can you talk about how you guys were able to make that transition from an idea and then after this, you know, nobody could have could have predicted this to happen and then kind of just adapting and creating the need that people need right now. So it's actually a pretty funny story because we, back in Feb or January, I, I love April Fool's. It's like one of my favorite holidays. And so I started working on the script for this year's April Fool's prank, which was going to be reusable toilet paper. And so we shot it in February and it was hilarious. Just, you know, who, who, who doesn't love a mermaid making poop <laughs> jokes, right? Like yeah, Totally. <laughs> so it was great. And then, you know, March comes around and the world just completely changed. And all of a sudden it felt distasteful to release this video. And it also felt like this, I started to realize that this is an actual need and, and that, you know, I, I've been, I think I've been holding back on creating this, this um, alternative to single use paper products for a while because I didn't know exactly what I wanted it to be. And then it just kind of came to me as like, it doesn't need to just replace paper towels or just replace toilet paper or just replace sanitizing wipes. It can do everything. And so, um, you know, it's not like we're, you know, we've invented, um, you know, something incredible. There are rags in a box with a sanitizing solution. You could potentially make this at home very easily, but, um, you know, we are looked at as a brand that's leading the category in reusables and, and we are where people look to make these transitions. So if you're listening right now and you're like, this sounds like an amazing product, great, support it. If you're like, I can make this myself, please do that. Like ultimately, like my goal is to just get people to convert from single use to reusables. So, you know, I totally recommend cutting up an old t-shirt, using that as rags and, and you don't need final wipe then. But um, if you want it in a really cute container with sustainable materials, bamboo, super soft, 
and, you know, a, a non-toxic sanitizing solution, we got you. Just having final wipe also just makes people think for a second too, like, do I really need this paper towel or do I really need, you know, this much toilet paper? I think you are changing the conversation and making think, have a second thought about when they're using single use products. So I'd love to know about your background. How did you first get into sustainability? So, I mean, we can rewind back to when I was just a wee little one and seven years old, I... The first time, the first way I ever made my own money was I was, you know, growing up in a neighborhood with, with fruit trees around and my sister and I would go around, collect all the fallen fruit and then go sell it at the farmer's market. And so it's funny to look back on that and be like, oh, wow, I was a conservationist from the beginning, but that's not how I grew up. I didn't grow up in a household with like, you know, where those were like the values that were stressed. Obviously now my parents have no choice but to change um, mm. because <laughs> I am very demanding. Um, but it, it really, it really kind of solidified in college. I went to University of California, Santa Barbara, go gauchos and was studying neuroscience and, you know, loved it. It was so fascinating. But at the same time, you know, I would go to these parties on the weekend, use like 1 million solo cups and and then go to the beach the next day and where were all the cups they were on the beach and so i started to feel this kind of like unrest and and like cognitive dissonance around my actions not aligning with what my i was out there to do cuz you know you go to college to increase your knowledge to go out into the world to make it a better place and yet i'm in college and i'm trashing my the world and and you know, the beaches, these beautiful beaches in Santa Barbara. So it was that, that clicked. And then, so my girlfriends and I uh, had a bunch of mermaid outfits. And so we dressed up like mermaids. We did a beach cleanup and it was (laughs) so, it was so fun. I mean, it's, it's like that, that's kind of where I realized, okay, sustainability can actually be sexy and sparkly and fun and engaging and something people want to join in with like an enthusiastic yes versus like, you know, this kind of traditional way that we view it of these like tree hugging hippies, like, you know, barefoot, like getting the magnetic waves of the earth through their feet. And it's like, there's nothing wrong with that. That's great. Like good for them. But, but also like what I'm working on is creating kind of this modern day definition of sustainability, which doesn't like it, it definitely does require sacrifice because I think the way that we live on a regular basis just isn't sustainable. But it, it's more about empowering people with the awareness, first of all, so that they can make decisions from an informed place. And then second off with the tools, because, you know, I, I, if you had told me a couple, you know, four years ago that, that we are going to sell hundreds of thousands of straws at $25 a pop, I would have been like, that's crazy. Who would do that? But, but, and, 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 you know, that's not the ultimate goal isn't to just make, you know, expensive products for a certain class, because I think sustainability can be elitist and, and hard to access for other people. And so, you know, we're aware of that. And, and there is definitely a balance between creating a really high quality, long lasting product and then price. Um, so, you know, first product, that's where we landed on it. But, you know, moving forward, we are trying to make products that are more accessible. And you talk about why single use is an issue. Sure. So 
about 50% of plastic is made one or is made for single use purposes, such as packaging, um, you know, wrappers, um, you know, any sort of thing that you touch on a daily basis, food packaging, whatever. So this is a material that is obviously made from oil um, and designed to last forever. So plastic never breaks down. Um, it instead it it breaks up into lots of tiny little pieces that get absorbed into you know our water, our soil, and then eventually consumed by other animals in the ecosystem. Um, so all of this plastic is being created, used once, and then there is no viable outlet for it. So even though most plastic that you use on a daily basis has a recycling symbol on it, it's actually not getting recycled. So back in 2018, China stopped taking all of our recycling because in the United States, we do single stream recycling, which means that all items go into one bin. And there's also a really big case of a phenomenon we like to call wish cycling, where <laughs> that means that you wish it to be recyclable, so you throw it in the recycling bin. Um, we're all guilty of this. and. And so that means that we have really high contamination rates in the United States. And so the materials that we were sending to China weren't recyclable and they were just filling up their landfills. And so China's like, um, excuse me, we have enough material here with our own population that we don't need your really low quality material. So they stopped taking it. So now we're stuck with this problem of not having the infrastructure in the United States, not having the sorting systems, not having the general awareness as to like what is actually recyclable. And so, you know, the majority of this plastic is just going to landfill and, and, you know, 91% of plastic goes to landfill. Um, less than 1% of plastic gets recycled a second time. So, you know, 9% gets recycled. Of that 9%, less than 1% gets recycled more than once. So just visualize that chasing triangle symbol and realize that like there's only one arrow there for plastic. If that, and there, that's only for 9%. So yeah. it's like, it's, it's just tough because I think, you know, we've been told since we we're tiny little kids that if you care about the earth, you recycle and, and it's like drilled into our heads. And so, you know, we're, we're, people are want to be good. They want to do the right thing. And so, you know, what we're doing as a company is just increasing awareness around that and then really trying to shift people towards reusables. Uh, so a little bit about myself is I, I could come from a design background and I agree hundred percent. We have a design flaw. I think that, you know, there, uh, yeah, I mean, I think we, as a designer, you know, we create something just for the purpose, but we don't think about the end use or the end cycle of a product. And I love that you guys are increasing that awareness. Um, so I kind of want to talk about, especially because uh, we're under lockdown um, and COVID-19 is still happening. I know that it's had a huge shift to the zero waste and plastic-free movement. You know, Starbucks isn't accepting reusable cups anymore. Many places, uh, grocery stores are not accepting reusable bags. What do you feel like is like a positive action that we can do now during this time? Yeah, it's tough. It's like we've made so much progress in 2019 yeah. towards yeah. Uh, minimizing these single-use items like bags and cups. And, and now it seems like we've kind of slipped all the way back. I did read some really interesting things about contact transmission and, you know, just 
just for everyone out there, like the the majority of cases um, of transmission of COVID-19 are through respiratory particles and they don't have any documented cases of, of just contact transmission. All of these like rituals that we've created around cleaning, you know, wiping down the groceries and stuff, like they're really just to make us feel safe. And this is an emotional time where where we're making decisions based from emotion. And so we, ha- we, we need to create these rituals in, in order to create safety. And so that there's nothing wrong with that. But the plastics companies are, you know, using this to kind of fuel, basically like to reverse all of these decisions made around removing single-use plastics. Ultimately, like, like we've already had those wins. Customer sentiment is that, single use is bad. People want to protect the environment. So I do think that it will, it will somewhat quickly shift back to the way things were, especially as more of this, you know, information around contact transmission gets promoted. But right now, I think it's the best thing we can do is, you know, stay safe and, and do whatever it is you need to do to feel safe. But also like do some reading because, you know, wearing gloves, isn't going to protect you at all. The COVID-19 virus has a fatty lipid layer around it, and which means that it's very prone to um, getting released with soap. So, you know, by wearing gloves, you can still do contact transmission because you still are touching the virus and then touching other things. Um, so, you know, wearing a mask, taking it off, putting it on a, a surface that could potentially have the virus and then putting it back on your mouth that is way higher chance of getting infected. So there's obviously a big issue around awareness and what is actually where, when are you actually at risk of transmission? But, you know, just a small hack that I've figured out in terms of like not using single use bags is I go to the grocery store and then I just load the groceries back in the cart. And then I take the cart to my car and then load my groceries in my car. I've been doing the so, same thing. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, it's it's you know it's the little things, and it's like it it um, doesn't change the fact that obviously like there's no way to get around the Starbucks thing except for to make your coffee at home, um, which you know I would recommend anyways <laughs> because yeah, um, going into a Starbucks is like is way less safe. Obviously, if we're talking about something that gets transmitted in the air being in a confined place with a bunch of people like a coffee shop, not ideal. I'm sure you're familiar with the Break Free from Plastic Pollution Act of 2020. Can you talk about that? Um, and I think if it passes, it's going to be a pretty big deal for manufacturers and producers. Yeah, it's a huge deal. Um, it's super exciting. So for everyone listening, the Break Free from Plastic Pollution Act was introduced in February. And um, it requires quite a few things, but the biggest and I think most exciting thing that it talks about is extended producer responsibility, which essentially means that companies should be responsible for the waste they produce. You know, for example, Coca-Cola is the number one plastic polluter in the world. And yet, what do they have to, what are they responsible for in terms of cleaning up all of that waste? Nothing. So what extended producer responsibility means is that, you know, Coca-Cola would have to take back the bottles and deal with them themselves. And so, you know, here in the United States, our waste management is paid for by tax dollars. That's billions of dollars that we have to 
to spend to support this industry where Coca-Cola is making billions of dollars off producing the waste. So it's, it's a very backward system. And, and in addition, this is something that's not well known, is that, you know, the whole concept of the litter bug was actually a uh, marketing uh, scheme put together by the beverage industry yeah. to shift, yeah, yeah, to shift yeah. the blame <laughs> from the corporations to yep. the individual. Yep. And it's like, like instead of calling these, you know, Coca Cola the litter bug because ultimately they're creating it, um, they shifted it, and it's like, no, we're bad if we throw it not in a, in a trash bag. Which, you know, sure, it's true. Like, don't throw your trash on the side of the road. But also, like, let's talk about where the real source of the problem is. So, so that's one aspect of it. Um, additionally, it, it looks at creating a nationwide beverage container refund program, which is, is so genius and, and really will shift um, the needle a lot because the problem with waste today is that it doesn't have value. And the reason that you throw bottles in the trash and cans in the trash and all of that is because they're valueless. So by creating value for these items and saying, okay, now this bottle's worth 10 cents, you create an entire economy around the collection and recircularity of these items. Love that. Yeah. And, and then a couple more things the act mentions is a ban on single-use plastic products that aren't recyclable, a fee on carryout bags, you know, more investment in the domestic recycling and composting infrastructure, which is huge. And then prohibiting plastic waste from being shipped to developing countries, because that's what we're doing with the majority of our trash. And they don't have the infrastructure to deal with this. So we're basically just giving our problem to someone else. And then the last thing that it talks about is putting a temporary pause on facilities, new plastic facilities, until the EPA can update regulations around those facilities. So, you know, stopping the the creation of more plastic until we can really dive into what are the health and environmental impacts around it. I really hope that passes. I think it's going to be, if it does, it'll be a huge game changer for so many producers and manufacturers and people to actually think about the materials that they're using, then finding the cheapest material and making the most profit out of. I know that uh, Seattle straw ban was in 2018, and that was kind of the same time that you guys had released Final Straw. I feel like you guys were there kind of like at the perfect time and then at the right time. And also the same thing goes with Final Wipe. How do you know when it, it's the right time to launch a product? Well, you know, there, there's two contributing factors to the success of a business. Uh, luck or I guess there's two. And luck, you, you could say luck and timing are the same thing, but basically timing and hard work. Um, and so, you know, I think of it as like a card game. You can get dealt, you know, an amazing hand in poker, but if you don't know how to play it, then you're not going to win. You can also get dealt a really crappy hand and be the best player in the world and lose. Timing plays such a huge part in the success of any company. Um, actually, I would say it's the leading indicator. But, you know, I mean, so then we just got lucky. Um, you know, I've been, I've been obsessed with straws for over a decade. And, you know, writing about single-use plastic straws, I did a TEDx talk about them. And five years ago, when I would order my drink and ask for no straw, I would get the craziest looks. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, what on earth? earth are you talking about? And, and there was really just this very small handful of us 
that were talking about this. And then it was, you know, in 2018, Seattle banned the straw. That became this kind of poster child legislation. The turtle video went viral, which showed plastic straw being very forcefully removed from a, from a turtle's nostril for eight minutes. And, and I think people were just ready, ready to start moving in a direction of sustainability, of environmental awareness and, and shifting away from, you know, these wasteful behaviors rooted in convenience. Talking about the, I guess the turtle video, I feel like there's a lot of when people talk about anything in sustainability, most of the time it's usually through a fear-based or kind of a sort of pressure that people feel like you need to change, you need to do this. But I feel like Final does such an amazing way where you guys are positive and funny and humorous. And can you talk about why you guys decided to talk about sustainability through such a positive lens? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I think that really traces back to my experience with dressing up like a mermaid. Uh, so, so, so after, you know, after that beach cleanup, we actually ended up starting a nonprofit called Save the Mermaids, where we would dress up like mermaids and go do after school programs with kids and talk about environmental awareness and single use plastic. And it just was like, so fun. At the same time, I'm kind of going through this point in my life where I'm having all this awareness around single use plastic and then trying to get my friends to change. And so it's like, I tried every tactic and I tried the like, you know, you know, this is so bad. Like it, it's, you're, you're, you're a shitty person if you do this and it didn't work, you know? And what works is if you give people facts and you say, look, plastic never goes away. It's really bad for the environment. It's bad for human health. Uh, it's bad for future generations. You know, these are very logical things that, that can't be argued. You Google plastic pollution and you can't say, you know, whether it's human induced or not. At least people can argue climate change, you know, if they want, because it's like much harder to see and feel and touch. But like, this is not arguable. And whether you want a better world for yourself or for your kids, it doesn't matter because, you know, we all have these kind of internal drivers of, of wanting to live in a beautiful home. And so you can, you dress up like a mermaid, you tell people about plastic, you get one result and you say the same message, you know, dressed in khakis and a polo, you're going to get a very different result. So why not have fun? Why not make it engaging? Why not make it funny and silly? because it could be a party that everyone wants to come to, to, to really rally, to, to start this movement and continue it forward. How many people are on your team, by the way? Like, how, uh, can you talk about your group and how it was building a team? Yeah. So we've got eight full time now, and then a handful of contractors and, um, building the team was so hard. Um, you know, it's, I think hiring is the most challenging thing in building a company. Um, it's, it's really hard to find the right people. Um, and for us, you know, we're so mission based that, that it's like, we have to find people that really align with that and want to work over time and be underpaid. So that's, you know, the startup life. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it was, it was super, super hard. And, and I made some humongous mistakes in hiring at the beginning, just feeling so out of my league. And this is the first company I've ever started. And, you know, in our first month of business, we did two, $2 million. So it was like, all of a sudden, 
I'm just like, you know, under so much pressure. And it wasn't even like, you know, people were like, oh my God, you must've been so excited. And it was like, not really. Like I immediately was just terrified that I had to now create a hundred thousand straws when I literally had no clue how to do it. Like zero. But the human spirit is resilient and amazing when put under pressure. And so, so hiring has, has been such a journey in figuring out what kind of processes to create, how to find the right people, and then how to really vet them and ensure that, that this is the right person for the team. You are such a powerhouse and just so inspiring and mo- like motivating. How do you, how do you say, stay inspired and motivated when there's times that you just don't feel like, you know, uh, pushing forward. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it happens. It definitely happens to all of us. Um, you know, I think one thing that's really great about having a team is that they keep me accountable. So it's like, I feel like I owe it to them to work my hardest. You know, I want to be up early and up late, um, busting my butt to make this a real thing. And, and I think that everyone on the team feels that vibe. And so it just creates this kind of like, engine that just can keep going. And so it's like, if I start to lag behind and I have a bad day where I'm just like, Oh God, I don't want to get out of bed. Um, you know, the engine's going. So it's like, I, it's, it's much easier to kind of feel that momentum, you know, the, the, and beyond just the team, I think just surrounding yourself with people that that inspire you and it, it doesn't have to necessarily be in work. I do try and work on projects that aren't related to final, you know, I'm working on a poem poem podcast right now. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. It's called Le Poemcast. Um, it'll be out in probably next month. Awesome. But yeah, I'm so excited. Um, so stuff like that, you know, that just like keeps it spicy, keeps it interesting. And it's not like, like a hundred percent of the time I'm tearing, staring at a computer screen. I'm, I'm working on one thing. Since you run a mission-driven company, how do you also stay in allegiance to your values, but also run and keep on building this business? Yeah, I mean, it's it's there's this kind of like intrinsic irony in what we're doing because it's like you know the point of the company is to reduce waste, and yet we're a product company. Mm. So it's like I and I feel that irony, but then you know on the same side of that, it's like okay. These are items that, that once used enough times will pass over a break-even point in which it does have environmental benefit. So, you know, I, I pretty much put the filter on on everything that we do of like, is this something people will use? Because obviously if people don't use it, then you won't ever hit that break-even point. And then is this solving a problem? And so just to dive a little deeper into what that break-even point means, for example, a single-use plastic bag, you know, has a certain environmental impact or a reusable canvas bag has a much higher environmental impact. And it's measured on all of these different criteria, water usage, transportation, cost, fuel, materials, eutrophication. I mean, there's a bunch of different points we're looking at. Obviously, the reason the canvas bag has or the cotton bag has such a high environmental impact is it uses a ton of water and a ton of land and it's much heavier to ship and, you know, all of these things, you know, the labor that goes into it and manufacturing. And and so you have to use it, actually, this is kind of surprising for most people, 200 times to equal the environmental impact of a single-use plastic bag. So does that mean we should just use single-use plastic? No, absolutely not. It means we should invest in super high-quality materials that last a lifetime. 
So, you know, my dad has been using the same canvas bag for the last 50 years. And it's like, that's just like what he uses. It's really easy to create products when I kind of put those filters on it. And then, you know, I think the third filter is like, how are we shifting the market? Because, you know, I've, I've had so many people come to me and be like, you guys need to meet making reusable bags and, and just like plain stainless steel straws. And it's like, those things already exist. Yeah. And, and so like, yes, if I'm making this business just to generate a bunch of revenue, then yeah, sure. That makes a ton of sense. It just doesn't sit right with me. And so I think that, you know, that's kind of my ultimate advice to people is, is to like, really get in tune with your gut and, and what feels right. And, and, you know, I believe the connection to the gut is the connection to the divine. And so it's this higher power that, that guides us. And what are the future plans for final? Uh, We're so excited. (laughs) We're working on, uh, we're working on so many cool products. So we've got final wipe, um, home and travel coming out in August. We've got final fork and spork, which are like the coolest, sexiest sporks and forks you've ever seen. Um, similar concept to final straw in that it is a collapsible, um, utensil that breaks down and fits in a little case. I just am obsessed. Um, we've got a couple different straw options and then, you know, I'm, I'm working on some subscription models to, to minimize waste in, you know, personal care products and, and other items at the home. I love that. Um, and subscription models, um, uh, as in like take back programs also, or. Yeah. So, I mean, we have a take back program for all of our products. So, you know, if you ever don't love your straw anymore or you're just done with it, send it back to us and we repurpose those materials. Um, and then, um, in terms of the, what the subscription model looks like is, you know, the idea of having a forever bottle and then, you know, getting refills in a um, reusable container. Heck yeah. Um, what are, I guess, so if you, you talked about the future plans for final, but what do you, what do you hope the world will look like in the next couple of years? Like, let's say, let's, let, let's say like uh, ideal Emma world, what would that look like <laughs> to you? Well, so it's a combination of things. It's, it's more legislation and policy around um, minimization of upstream waste. So that means stopping the creation of waste before we even start it. Love it. Um, yeah. And then, but then also bottom up. So you need the kind of two to go together. So the top down is policy. Bottom up is grassroots organizations, um, you know, working on this NGOs and just general public awareness because, you know, so far the, this movement has made such massive strides in the last year and it still has a lot of way to go, but you know, the general awareness level is so much higher than it ever used to be. And so now what our responsibility is as aware individuals is to spread the message, talk to your friends, talk to your teachers, your, you know, spouses, your family, all of this. And, and, you know, spread the awareness by talking about the facts around plastic and, there doesn't need to be shaming or finger wagging. It's just like, here's what's happening. And here is how I've chosen to change my life. You're here's, and here's an invitation to join me on this super fun party that we're going on. And what is the best piece of advice you can give to a fellow ecopreneur? Trust your gut. Yeah. Your gut is just the, the wealth of all the knowledge. And then also, um, 
you know, when your gut tells you something and everyone else is telling you something else, don't listen to them. I had so many friends be like, cute straw idea. Like, what do you, how are you going to actually make money? And little um, did they know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, you know, I was shocked when the Kickstarter went viral. So, you know, I, did, I didn't know either. But what I did know is that I loved it. I thought it was so fun. It was something that I would use. And, and if it's something that I love, there's probably, you know, people out there that would love it as well. Oh, I love that. Well, Emma, thank you so much for just being here on the show. And I just can't wait to see all the things that final creates. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited for all of these things that we're making. It's, it's so fun. It's quite the adventure. I love that. Oh, and then also how can people, um, get in touch or connect with you? So you can find Final at finals.co on the interwebs, or uh, if you like awesome memes about the environment, check out our Instagram at Final Straw, same on Facebook and Twitter. And then me personally, I'm on Instagram at Emma Serena, and that's like S-I-R-E-N-A. Hey, Knorrs. Thanks for tuning in. If you've enjoyed this episode, come on over and join me at The Kupreneur Show. I'd love to hear your story and what positive impacts you're making in the world. Anyways, hope you're having an awesome day and I'll see you in the next episode.